welcome to the Sages Among Us. Nevada County has a legacy of rich resources from farm and timberland to sparkling rivers of water and gold to abundant beauty and recreation. And perhaps what's the greatest treasure in any area, the people who devote great amounts of time and energy toward making their community better for everyone. The Sages Among Us attempts to find out who these people are, why they provide so much service to the community, and how these efforts make a positive difference for all of us. I'm your host, Brian Buckley, and today we're going to get the personal story of a citizen leader committed to service. Justin Gold is the founder of the Nevada County nonprofit organization, the Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies. He is also the author of six books, including The Currency of Moments. He was interviewed just a while ago on Capital Public Radio regarding a recent service project the Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies undertook on behalf of refugees and asylum seekers in Oaxaca, Mexico. Justin, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Very welcome to you, too. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and uh, I've actually been really looking forward to our chat tonight because you've spent years looking into one of the questions that we often ask of our guests, and that's what do you personally get out of your civic engagement. But uh, before we get into that, I uh, just want to talk about the Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies for a bit. Uh, when did it start, and what's its focus? Well, uh, originally we uh, got together as an adventure travel group, and this was in uh, Santa Barbara. And we uh, traveled uh, to South America, and we traveled to Asia, and climbed some mountains, and uh, uh, went to some extremely remote places. And you know how it goes after a certain sequence of repetitions, it becomes, rep uh, becomes boring. And uh, we tripped over the possibility of helping some people, some children in Thailand on a trip there. And uh, it uh, turned out to be so rewarding that it became part of our program. And we formed this nonprofit tax-exempt organization so that we could actually uh, expand and do that in more countries. And so that, that was in the mid-1980s, and we've been doing that ever since. So it started uh, focusing on the adventure, but then shifted to more of a focus on, on service. It, sounds. it was definitely an I-oriented group. <laughs> I want, I like, I need, and uh, adventure and, and excitement and variety. And it turned into a we organization. But the metamorphosis was slow, and it was uh, sometimes challenging and sometimes even painful <clears throat> because... Uh, there's some sacrifice involved in in going to a place and spending your time rather than to go rather than going around to the uh the exciting places to spend time uh in, in more of a giving profile mm -hmm. uh so uh we learned as we were going we really had no guidebook to do that we learned as we were going and we uh, uh started to encompass more people who were interested and uh, that uh, evolved into our coming to Nevada County about 25 years ago and trying to uh, operate from here and do the same thing, which we do. Sounds like it was a, a real organic evolution, and, and maybe that uh, transition from I to we is the reason it's uh, been sustainable for multiple decades now. I think that's really the only reason that it, it's sustainable because 
we is a very natural phenomenon, and I've found that to be the case. But I wouldn't have professed that as a, as a young person. But I, I have learned that there is something natural to be uncovered in the, in the we and the taking care of others, in addition to taking care of ourselves. And it comes to a certain point where we are, we have the more than the basic necessities that not all of us have, but many of us have, and that it's time to pass it on. <clears throat> and I don't think that that's so much of a discipline, but some natural capacity that can be uncovered. And I think probably the most unique part of our organization is that a good part of our energy is put into uh, removing the obstacles that we have from being those natural giving people. So we have an amount of self-study that's part of it. And that's probably one of the reasons that our organization remains small, because it's not only, a lot of people would like to volunteer. I'd like to give. I'd like to do this. But I'm thinking now of the story, which uh, makes some sense to me about, uh, I don't know where it's from, the Bible or somewhere, that if you give a person a fish, they can eat. If you teach them how to fish like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if that's a direct correlation with my my thought that if you uncover a person's ability to give, then they become a natural giver uh, rather than give a person an assignment and they have to do that effort and the stretch and the, uh, and the discomfort of giving more like that we have that in us and every once in a while it surfaces and we feel it. Mm -hmm. And I've wrote, written books about the subject, and uh, I think it's uh, it's worth pursuing. Uh huh. I, I'm curious about the uh, the name, the Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies. Can we uh, break that apart a little bit? Uh, what's the cultural component, and what's the naturalist component? I can tell you how we came up with it. It was a long time ago. Uh, we bought some property in Santa Barbara, and <clears throat> it was our office, and we wanted to it to be owned by the uh, by a nonprofit tax exempt. So we we did the papers to file for that in the mid 1980s, and then we had. Uh, uh, let me go back a little. I was in the restaurant business for years, and I had some s successful restaurants in New York City where I grew up. <clears throat> and one time we started a new restaurant, and what I did in order to decide what the menu was going to be is I invited everybody I knew, all my friends, made all the different dishes that I want, and we had a survey. What was And that survey ended up what was going to be on the menu. <laughs> So uh, it was similar to the Center of Cultural and Naturalist Studies words. Uh, we got everybody together on what would be a good name. <laughs> and we had a lottery, and we picked out all the different possibilities. Do we want to include this? Do we want to include that? And that's the name that we came up with, that I actually remember why we came up with it and what it means in relation to or coming up with it. I don't think I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's a very honest answer and a great story. Um, I was, if you look at the organization now, and you're a founder and uh, you're the chief operating officer, ED of the organization now, um, if you could rename it to anything, uh, is, can you think of anything that you feel might be a more uh, accurate or encompassing? name for the organization? 
Uh, how about the School for Servants and Heroes? All right, School for Service and Heroes. Servants and Heroes. Servants and Heroes. It happens to be the title of my last book. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it's something like everybody wants to be in the company of, and then it said School for Servants and Heroes, uh, maybe uh, bringing forth the naturalness of what it is to be a servant and somebody's hero, Mm -hmm. you know, not a hero necessarily like in the movies, but uh, you know, I'm thinking of the ultimate hero is is a third grade teacher. There is no more hero, in my view, than a third grade teacher. You know, that's the hardest job and really the most significant job. Uh, more so, I'm sure you know that as a principal of a school, that your job wasn't as important as a third grade teacher's. Was. Absolutely. Yeah, I considered myself a, a a servant actually to to the teachers Mm -hmm. and and the students. Um, Well, now we get to get to the the part that I've really been interested in in talking to you about, and that is, what do we get out of being servants, uh, out of our our service? you know, there's a, we get a lot of, we ask that question a lot. We get a lot of uh, different answers. There, there tends to be some themes, but this is something that you've really devoted a great deal of time and, and thought towards, and uh, love to hear your, your thoughts mm-hmm. on the concept of what we personally get out of our service to others. Well, I hope this is an acceptable answer. Uh, I have to start with what we get out of not being a, a, a giving person. And what we get is uh, being self-consumed, uh, worrying about our problems, plans, and relationships extraordinarily, uh, you know, it becoming the focus of our lives, being becoming obsessed with uh, the improvement of our surroundings, uh, redoing and redoing, redoing our externals, uh, <clears throat> that's extremely burdensome. So that's that's the uh, the contrapositive of why uh, uh, why uh, I remember there's a, a line in a Dylan song. You ask me why I don't live here. How come you don't move? <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, I have to start there because there is a, a an idea that. Uh, it is a there's a burden to responsibility, but really responsibility is a natural place, and when we achieve a natural place, there's relaxation there, because when we don't take responsibility for what's around us, whether it's poverty, or people in in danger of security or children that are at risk, if we don't take responsibility, maybe not responsibility globally, but it, you know, it could be very, very, in a very small way, very, uh, in our neighbors even. Uh, if we don't do that, <clears throat> we're missing something, and we're also uh, not recognizing the natural gift of our ability to notice and respond to what's around us. So uh, the answer for me is very experiential and uh and understandable because I didn't begin as a giving person. I wasn't necessarily the offspring. I was the offspring of a t- two attorneys, you know, 
and we know what attorneys are like. <laughs> <laughs> Present company excluded, of course, <laughs> if there are any. Uh, <clears throat> so I learned how to take care of me, and I learned how to uh, 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 do all the things that were necessary, learn all the things that were necessary to improve my lot. And uh, at some point, I recognized there was that was severely limiting because I was only one component of the world, and taking care of just one component is not a natural thing. So what I get and what the people around me get that work with me get is they get to feel the natural gift of being a natural human being. <clears throat> And a natural giving, uh, a natural human being is a giving person. So the burden of everything that has to happen if you're not natural, you have to in some way perform or you have to in some way fake it or you have in some way avoid this uh, 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 treadmill, let's call it, of uh, avoiding looking foolish. Mm-hmm. You know, which is can be a, a lifetime burden. Being a natural person, you don't have to really do that because sometimes you're, you're going gonna, to look. Foolish. You're going to look for worse. <laughs> right, right. Hopefully not right now, though. So, so <laughs> if 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 I could summarize a little bit, it, it sounds like if you're focusing on yourself, it's going to be a certain amount of uh, artificiality, uh, an empty type of existence where there's a lot of tail chasing, um, and if you're focusing on others, that actually opens you up um, and allows you to reach your full potential as a human being. Is that... I think that's accurate. I mean, I did certainly put in my years at chasing tail, as you <laughs> describe it, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think I couldn't give a better explanation than you did, description than you did. It's Natural is natural, and it's not a stressful position. Although taking responsibility has been taught to us is something to avoid. But I've found that the, really the opposite is the case. The rewards from taking responsibility are far out uh, shine the, uh, the, the gifts. The, the sense of agency. The, yes, and the burden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Um, Another question that occurs to me is, is there a qualitative difference in the, in the kind of service? And as an example, I know that the center, uh, with its uh, origin as adventure travel, does a lot of combining of, of travel and service projects, um, and as well as some local uh, and would you say that's qualitatively different than, say, somebody volunteering to be on the board of a, of a local nonprofit? How would that be the same, and how would it be different? I think the, the most substantive difference is the person-to-person. I think that uh, basically our organization does person-to-person. There is no there, – we don't do projects that are so sweeping that we don't – get in there with the people. We, we uh, say we, uh, we were in Thailand and we built an addition to a, to a clinic there because we have building skills among us, so we did that. But we didn't 
uh, give the money and watch it happen. We got in there with the people and we were passing the cement and we were doing the hammers and nails and working together with the people. And the most rewarding part is the face-to-face and human-to-human interaction with the people that we're dealing with. And part of our... uh, uh, the way we discriminate what we're going to do and what we're not going to do is will we be allowed to get in there and interact with the people? And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. It doesn't have to be a mass project. So I say, I'd say the qualitative difference between all kinds of service is do you get to be face-to-face with the person you're helping? And if you can, there is a quali- quality to it that's different than anything remote. So I... Uh, it's the same in politics and same in, in the law enforcement. If you get face to face with the people you're dealing with, it's going to be different than if you're administering. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a significant difference between uh, helping to build an an orphanage and writing a check so that it can be built. Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. We're fortunate that way because we we are funded. We don't have to raise money. We don't solicit money. All our all our introduct, introduction programs, informative programs are free. Uh, uh, I mean, th- this is a unique good fortune to be able to do that. So when we when we solicit people to be interested, or we talk to people, everyone by the nature thinks, "Well, where's the fundraiser coming in?" But we don't have to do that. But money is not connected to anything we do, and even the books I write. Uh, if somebody wants one and can't afford it, uh, they, all they have to do is let me know and I send it to them. Great, great. You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking today with Justin Gold, author of six books and the founder of the nonprofit Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies uh, that really focuses more on uh, creating opportunities for people to live in, in service and how that can actually open up their own lives and potential as human beings. Um, so, Justin, you're, you're clearly blazing, or have been blazing your own trail, because not that many people start their own nonprofit organizations or author multiple books, um, on, particularly on the topic of becoming a, a more full human being. Um, can you describe your, your childhood and and where... It all started for you? Uh, well, I grew up in New York City, and certainly I was not alien to the psychology of being uh, somebody who grew up in New York City. I, I was born in the Bronx and moved to Manhattan and lived a good many years in Manhattan and was involved with money dealings and became a, a, a financial consultant and and uh, owned some businesses and learned how to excel and learned how to compete and learned how to uh, to work the angles that are necessary to be successful in those kind of things. And uh, eventually I, I uh, somewhat tired of the repetition of that, but not to the point that I was uh, a, a rejuvenated person or, or a renovated person. But I did meet people that had different perspective. And I found their perspective interesting, although not so much that I was going to adopt their perspective, but it did seem to grow on me. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that point, my life 
uh, started to uh, take a very slow turn. There were no U-turns in my life, but very, a very slow veering off to a more humanitarian attitude. And as I said, the humanitarian attitude uh, didn't lead me to necessarily uh, uh, be a social worker, but it did lead me to uh, <clears throat> traveling more, to seeing the conditions around the world uh, through adventure travel. And then uh, as it evolved into doing things for other people, but certainly not grew up with that influence. Right, right. Well, you said that there was a, a long, slow turn, nothing uh, approximating 180 or even 90 degrees. Um, but can you think of, as you look back, any kind of a watershed event that, you know, was really important in either shaping the person that you've become or in the direction that your life has taken since that moment? Well, I can... I can tell a story that I've told before, which is something I avoid doing. <laughs> I try, my, on one of my books, it says on the top, a cliche-free zone. <laughs> I, I like to think that I've, I've talked a lot publicly, and, and actually this last book is a compilation of public talks that I've given for 30 years. It's a big book. And so I've talked a lot, and I try not to repeat myself, and I don't tell stories from the Bible, and I try, you know, I try to be, to talk about my personal experience. And one of the stories in one of my books, I think I've written it, uh, is I was traveling, and I was traveling through an Islamic country, and <clears throat> I've done a lot of traveling through Islamic countries, and I was, I was uh, in it, actually Iran, and this was before the. Uh, before the changeover mm -hmm. where Americans weren't really welcome there. Uh, and <clears throat> I was traveling looking for beautiful buildings and exciting things and beautiful women and the things that young men look at. And <clears throat> uh, I wasn't really familiar with the Islamic uh, uh, religious tradition as, I'm, as much as I was liking the mountains uh, and the nature there. And I found myself in a city called Isfahan, and I was walking around the square, and the call to prayer happened. And within 30 seconds, I was standing in the middle of probably 15,000 people that were all uh, praying. And I was standing in the middle, and I described it like a candle in the middle of a birthday cake. <laughs> and there were no exit aisles so I was standing there looking at these people, and what were my options? You know, I am not a religious person. I grew up with uh, around a lot of religion, but I really never adopted it. Uh, so I was standing there, and what could I do? So I, I went down and did what they were doing, and uh, which would have been the ant uh, the uh, the antithesis of anything that I would seek to do mm -hmm. as a proud New York young man. And I got down there, and I loved it. I loved the feeling of being invisible in this crowd of people when all my life I had tried to become visible. And <clears throat> that was very meaningful for me. And even the fact that I can repeat it and remember it now means it must have been significant for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good story. Um, we don't have a... a great deal of time. We have about five minutes left, and I wanted to uh, ask you 
what's uh, what's next for the Center for Cultural and Naturalist Studies? What's uh... I know this isn't TV, but I brought a prop. <laughs> Uh, yes, a peacock puppet. Yeah, a peacock puppet, a very beautiful one, actually. And uh, and what what we've done, we started about ten years ago, uh, in in our projects around uh, wherever we've gone, and we brought these puppets because the kids love them. And uh, a lot of times we're dealing with kids that are at risk for different reasons, refugees, and just came back from Mexico and 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 did. Uh, <clears throat> And did the puppets, and we deliver some of our messages using the puppets. And I had no history with puppets, but the minute I saw them, and this com- this company in the Bay Area, Folk Manus, who makes these very expensive, lavish puppets, uh, <clears throat> uh, donated all these puppets when they heard what we were doing, and so we had to do something with them. So we learned to do the puppets, and uh, so that's what we've been doing. And our last. Our last uh, program, we did a, a program with the puppets and did our uh, showed our videos from all over and did a little a skit with a rap song about blame and learning to not blame and things like that. So uh, the future is where we're, uh, we've been not traveling uh, extensively because of COVID, but now we just did our first. Uh, trip down to the border wall in, in uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, and saw it. Really, it got real for us, and it hadn't been before. Mm-hmm. So is uh, did I understand you've got some event coming up in Sacramento also? Yes. We actually had an event here in, uh, in Grass Valley uh, last week, and really well attended and beautiful, and they the newspaper came in and covered it and took pictures. I saw that. Yeah. Yes, it was really nice. And people stayed after, and we, we try to do our events really differently. It, we set the lamps, and we make it into a big room and a nice homey room, and we bring in the puppets, and, and we talk, and we show the pictures, and we have this in Sacramento. It's a ways to drive from here, and I, I don't know if people would do that, but you're certainly welcome, and all our events are free, and uh, you can get to meet the people that are doing this because we all try to show up at all the events that we do. And uh, <clears throat> if you're interested in getting to know more about what we do, uh, you are welcome to come by. Okay. You know, you um, you started this program in, in Santa Barbara, and then you ended up coming to Nevada County with it. Uh, is there a story behind that move? Well, I had been, I lived in Oregon for seven years, and uh, in Oregon I really got decidified, and uh, it was infectious, and it was real, and that's what, what I wanted to do. And then a book I was writing caused me to spend some time in, in Santa Barbara researching, and I knew I was going to get back out into the country, into the woods, and we ended up buying this acreage out in, in uh, Nevada County, and uh, on the ridge, and and uh, it was very simple. It was a matter of getting out into some beautiful country, which this certainly is. And <clears throat> I want to add this one thing. Uh, my name is Justin Gold, but I go by on all my books uh, by the name of initial J J A Y E Gold, J J Gold. And I do that because there is a Justin Gold who is well known, and he 
uh, is a peanut butter king. Oh. And and uh, I figured it would be best to let him do the peanut butter, and I do what I do. So I I use my middle name and my first initial. All right. Um, you know, obviously your organization works with people, and you're trying to help them reach their potential as well as uh, helping them serve others. Uh, what advice do you have for people who might be interested in life of service or curious about the connection between service, engagement, and a healthy life? Yeah, I think that it's it's really very simple. And I think, uh, I've never said it before, but uh, when I had my interview on Cap Radio, it just jumped out of my mouth. The next time you buy a subway, uh, instead of getting a six-inch, get a foot long and give the other six-inch away to somebody who looks hungry. That sounds like a, a great bit of advice. Well, uh, Justin, thank you so much for being my guest uh, tonight. The half hour has gone very quickly, and uh, appreciate all you're doing. Okay, it was good to be here. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of their community. Discover how others are making a difference and how you too can be part of the positive in this region by tuning into The Sages Among Us on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. I'm Brian Buckley, and you've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'd like to offer my warm appreciation to Justin Gold for sharing his story this evening. And finally, thank you for joining us this past half hour, and thanks for everything you do to make your part of the world a little bit better.